0: I kind of crave that ability to do something with my hands full time, to be able to go all in on something that you're so passionate about. That's the voice of Drew Hansen,
1: co-owner of Hanson Made Woodworking, and I'm excited to talk with him right after a quick word from our sponsor. Hey everyone, what do you know about Shaper Tools, specifically the Shaper Origin? As a listener to this show, you can try a Shaper Origin risk-free for 30 days in your own shop. That's right, in your own shop. Just by visiting shapertools.com forward slash furniture brand to learn more. The handheld CNC router that has brought digital precision and efficiency of workflow to so many people is yours to try risk-free. Use it to tackle your joinery your cabinetry, your hardware installations, and more with speed, precision, and the reliability your business needs. If you want to learn more or to give it a risk-free 30-day try, just visit shapertools.com forward slash furniture brand, or check the link in the show notes. And now, on with the episode. Hello and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with Drew Hansen, co-owner of the Lillington, North Carolina furniture company, Hansen Made Woodworking. This show is dedicated to talking with people about building their furniture brand. It's no secret, it's in the title. And for anyone who has ever tried to build a business, they know that the start of it is an incredibly important part of that process. Drew and his co-owner, Valen, are in the midst of that process. Although they've been running their business for years, they still feel like they need to put in more time, sculpting what it will look like before going full-time. Follow along as we talk about scheduling two full-time jobs, building a portfolio by turning down projects, the benefits of working with a partner, and much more. Let's jump right into the episode and hear about Drew's journey in his own words.
0: I've always been someone that's interested in creating, you know, basically as far back as I can remember growing up. A lot of my favorite times was uh, being alongside my dad when he was building on our house. We grew up in a really old house, so he was always fixing something or building an addition. And, you know, I always enjoyed being around him while he was doing it. You know, the smell of Uh, fresh lumber and construction happening uh it's always been a fond memory um and then around middle school time our school uh still had a shop class at that time and uh that's really I, i think when i fell in love with it kind of more of a formalized construction process there getting to actually build furniture um and really my uh shop teacher back then, became a mentor really in a lot of ways. Uh, he allowed me to spend extra time in the shop class throughout the whole year where typically your, your projects ran about one quarter and then you rotated out to one of the other uh, you know, specialty classes throughout the year. But I was able to stay on for the entire year and continue my project for that whole year and really spend a lot of time with him one-on-one and, you know, get that mentorship Um, I remember being sick at one point and not being able to go to school and, uh, laying in bed, sketching out the the piece of furniture that I was building. And I I think my mother knew at that point that, uh, it was more than just a a typical kid's interest in it, that I was, you know, had a, a bit of a passion for it. So, um, always enjoyed those opportunities, being able to do that. Um, and then it really kind of went on hold for a bit. I I went into the army out of college. So I did that for about 10 years and didn't really touch tools very much. Um, Still always had the interest in it, but uh, just not really the opportunity. Traveled a lot, a few deployments, that type of thing. It wasn't until again, as I was getting out of the army, uh, right at my 10 year mark, um, I'd gotten married. We had our first kid and I knew you know, I wanted to change gears. I wanted to be home more for the family. Um, and really that off ramping out of the military gave me a fair amount of free time for that last six months or so. And I found myself diving back into the, my garage shop at the time. And, um, it's kind of funny started this little line of chairs. Uh, you've probably seen them Kentucky stick chairs, uh, that fold up, you know, it's just a lot of slat work cutting two by fours. Um, and, Typical to most beginners, I put it on face Facebook for way too cheap, um, and it kind of blew up. Like I had probably a hundred people order them because I was selling them for like forty dollars for a set. And uh, I later looked online and saw they they sell for like one hundred and fifty bucks or something like that. So way underpriced them, um, and there was no surprise that people were wanting to buy them for just about the cost of making them. So it was a good lesson early on in business about pricing and that type of thing. And, and um, you know, finding that balance to keep it enjoyable and not are just turning yourself into a machine. So after that, fast forward a few years, uh, really we moved into the house we're in now. Um, and really I'm thankful to God that we landed in this place. It had a, uh, a huge shop in the back. Um, and I really, finally had a chance to feel like I could expand and, and think more seriously about taking woodworking on. And and, uh, and then COVID hit and we had a lot of time at home. So I, I kind of dove in a bit, started just making some spec pieces of uh, furniture and putting them on Facebook and uh, a couple sold quickly. And then it was kind of all word of mouth from there. And really ever since I haven't had to um, post anything for sale. It's been all through um, word of mouth, you know, one or two projects at a time. And uh, you know, just about two years ago, I, I decided, hey, I'm going to you know, take this one step further. I'm going to actually build a, a name for the company and kind of start investing a little more seriously and in, uh, in building it to a, to a company. You know, so at some point down the road, it's got the legs under it so that I can choose to take it full time if desired.
1: I don't want this to be a surprise to anybody, but you said right at the end there, you're setting it up to take it full time. You're not full time right now. You're working towards that. You have a plan in place to going full time. And that is A different type of journey for everybody. Some people they say, furniture, this is what I want to do, and they go full time. They leave their job and they go full time and they jump right in the deep end. And some people, like you, they're dipping their toe in a little bit at a time. They're testing the waters. They're learning what their company can do before they go full time. So right now you're in that. Process. Talk us through how you're feeling about your company, where it is now, and where you need to take it so you feel comfortable going full time.
0: Currently, you know, I, I feel like I'm sitting right on the edge of a lot of opportunity. I feel like time is the biggest factor that kind of holds me back right now. It's a, a limiting factor in terms of um, how many projects I can get out at a time and also, you know, how many you can pursue. And I took the time to build a website uh, and get that up and running, but really haven't promoted it because I know that I'm not prepared as a company to take, you know, a severe influx of demand. So right where I'm sitting now is, uh, is about steady state for me. Uh, however, you know, some of the, what I look at is mitigating risk, um, and increasing the, the odds of um, success with the business, you know, as a a father and, you know, a husband with four kids, I, I take that kind of that role really um, seriously and want to make sure that, you know, I don't drag the family through my dreams, you know, just chasing them. So I I take seriously the idea of kind of building the right foundation blocks for this, getting things in place. And, uh, you know, as I, kind of jokingly tell my wife sometime that, uh, I have a two year plan to go full time. You know, it's, it's far enough out where she doesn't have to worry yet, but also, you know, I I hold that with, with my hands, you know, open knowing that, you know, God can direct my path wherever and, uh, whenever he chooses. But I do start looking at two year as a mark, um, really for a few reasons, uh, to continue to to build the brand and some of the legitimacy behind that. And, uh, With a brand, a big piece is, you know, of course, the social media, trying to continue to uh, be diligent and uh, consistent with that, putting out content and uh, letting people see the process uh, so they know the work that goes in to each piece. And then also continuing to build like the word of mouth network to let that grow uh, in a local capacity as well. So kind of attacking it from both sides, getting the more broad exposure online, but also a, a good, solid local word of mouth contingency that you can kind of rely on. And then during that, that phase as well, continuing to improve the skill set. There's of course, so much to learn, so many techniques to to learn, so much efficiency to be gained. You know, I want to continue that over the next couple of years. Um, Another piece is, is building some of the infrastructure to the business so that, you know, when I decide to take that leap, many of the building blocks are in place. Part of that's tools and equipment, getting everything up to the, the standards that I want to be able to produce consistent work and efficient work. And then also some of the more virtual systems such as uh, the website and uh, you know accounting software, that type of thing, just to make your process more professional, more reliable in terms of how you track your business, how you produce your invoices and your estimates and that type of stuff, just to, to have those systems in place. So I'm not trying to figure that out while i decide to go live and then finally you know is really building that safety net as i touched on before kind of mitigate risk by you know having a a cushion to be able to depend on to some degree to be able to to weather the storm and the ups and downs and continue to provide that um, security for the family building the right foundation for your company is
1: incredibly important and you can go about it different ways and the way you're going about it is slow and methodical but it's checking off all the boxes and it's making sure that you feel comfortable as a business owner and as a person to be able to make that jump because it's it's hard there is no safety net when you are out on your own you touched on the idea of you don't want to get too much work because too much work would overwhelm you. And it seems from the outside looking in that too much work would be great. That would be your meter of success. And that would be when you said, I can go full time now because I have too much work. But for you, it would be a bad thing because you wouldn't be able to take it all on and your company would stress under that much weight at this point. So when you're In this middle ground of trying to build your company, but also turn away work, what does that look like, not only in your mind, but also on paper when you're dealing with clients? How do you decide which projects to take that are going to build your company in the right way and which projects to leave on the table because you don't think that they're right for the type of growth you're looking for?
0: Yeah, that's really a great uh, point to consider, you know, and it's been a bit of trial and error as I've worked through it. Um, I've been very fortunate to find customers that are understanding of where I'm at as a company. Um, And I think a lot of that has to do with the social media aspect um, because they, they see not only the amount of work that goes into each piece, but, you know, they do see a side of me, you know, more so in my stories on Instagram, I try to expose a little bit of the family and that so that people see the more human side of me, not just the woodworker, but see that, you know, I am active with the family that takes up a portion of my, my time. And I, I purposely devote a lot of time to that. Um, so that that won't be sacrificed. So I have been able to find customers that are understanding of that. And, uh, I, you know, I used to try to quote times, um, a little more rigidly, like you know, eight weeks and I'll be done, ready for delivery. Nowadays, it's like, all right, I'll. Uh, um, I ask them if they have a timeline and kind of say up front, hey, I can't really commit to a timeline. So if you if you're willing to wait, you know, this is where you're at on the list, and uh, I'll keep you informed as I get to the different phases of your your project, and especially the kind of the kickoff. They like to know when it's being kicked off, and then generally. They can follow along with the process as it goes. But you know I think as I get closer to that mythical two-year starting line, my intent will shift a little more toward deliberately getting a, uh, a backlog of work as I approach that end. So when when I am ready to go, I have at least a full plate because I know my capacity is much greater if I had eight or 10 hours a day to devote to this. I know the, the turnaround would be much quicker and could really move through a couple customers quickly. So I, that backlog or inventory of work needs to be much greater. So I, I'll shift gears at some point to start to, in a sense, market or uh, you know look for more work and get it lined up when that transition day comes.
1: The idea of building furniture and having a furniture company is not New by any stretch of the imagination. The concept of building furniture has been going on for a very, very long time. And in that time, yes, there's new tools and new techniques, but the concept of what a furniture maker is didn't really change that much. But now there's this idea of a quote unquote social media. Furniture maker. And I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing. I'm just saying that is a concept that is very new to the industry. There's a whole group of furniture makers that have started, have cut their teeth, and have grown their career on social media. And with that, they've really brought the idea of a personal life into the business. There's both of those sides. So you can know somebody for their work, but you also know them for who they are outside of the shop. And that's something that is very different in the furniture industry. It used to always be, you knew people by their work, you knew people by their shop. And maybe if you were friends with them, you saw behind the curtain, but now and you're a perfect example of this now there are people who are building their entire companies with their personal life just as involved in their business as they're building when you're doing that and building your company like that what do you think about that as somebody who's who's doing that you're you're in that you're in that spotlight for both things and that's the way you're selling yourself how do you how do you go about thinking about that on a day-to-day basis on balancing the personal and the professional to expand the professional side?
0: yeah, I think it's a really interesting dynamic actually and you know I've, I've benefited from it greatly as a a student in a sense because um, that's Really, the education I've received is watching these other people as they've, you know, kind of gone live with their life and just, you know, filming everything they do in the shop and that type of thing. So it's been really an informative education experience over the the last, uh, you know, 10 years or so for me, uh, thinking back to uh, like Matthias Wendell and uh, some of his projects early on. Um, I was one of his first, probably true believers, and like downloaded his. Panta router plans and built my own wooden version of what he did. And it was not nearly as good as his, you know, but it was, it was fun. It got me engaged. You get to see him in his basement, um, just fooling around as an engineer with wood. So that's one aspect. I, I think it's been great from the educational piece on a personal side. It's, it's been really interesting for me. I'm, I'm the last person to have engaged social media, really. Um, the only reason I even downloaded Instagram about three and a half years ago was for the purpose of business. I said, okay, I'm gonna I'll start this, see what it's all about, you know, and just kind of crept into it from the regular, just still shots of cutting boards or or whatever is nothing, never a video, never me in the shot. I'm a introvert by nature. And uh really it's been a journey along, you know, with social media. And and I would say it, it's pushed me to do different things that have made it uh added some um, entertainment to the furniture creation. It's another piece of creation is like actually filming what I'm doing. And, you know, it was a big step when I went from still shots to making video and then from making video to a video with myself in it. And that, you know, now it's typically, I'll always be in the shot, but you know two years ago, that was not something I had an interest in. So it, it grows you in that perspective. It also artistically, makes you start to think about that side of the house as well, like lighting and angles and all that type of stuff. And I, you know, I kind of say that jokingly, because every shot I see my messy, dirty shop in the background, nothing's well kept, nothing's really well lit. So you're always like, okay, that's another area for improvement. But from a business standpoint, and you know, one lesson I've learned from listening to many interviews to people over the years is that as a woodworker, if you really want to increase your uh, odds of success, you need to plan for multiple streams of income and, um, you know, building uh, your social media can potentially provide that, um, you know, that's yet to be seen how uh, how lucrative it is or anything like that. But from the mindset of, OK, I, I not only want to build furniture, but I need other streams of income that are going to come in to support it because the trading time for money, as you build a single piece of furniture can be tough, but you know, for one instance, you know, if you're doing commission work and that serves your content, then you start to see that that synergy of both of those. And then maybe over time that that, um, social media does add another stream of income or it just enhances your mainstream through, you know, a sense of marketing. So, I think it's been a positive in that world it's
1: It's a strange world and and i'm I'm smiling when I say that because i I really mean it, and i I think about it all the time, and I talk about it all the time with people and I want to be clear, there's no negative connotation to this. it's a way that people run their business, everybody can run their business differently so negative or positive, we're just looking at this through a lens of a different way to run a furniture company. But it used to be that you were selling your work and you were selling your name on a finished piece of furniture. People would see that. It would be in a portfolio. People would see a picture of that. And they'd say, this person knows how to make furniture. And that's why they became a client of yours. But now you could get a client without them ever seeing a finished piece of your work. They could just be interested in your technique or they could be interested in the way your shop looks or the way you talk about tools. Or even if you get very personal, they could relate to you on a personal level with who you are as an individual and and social media yes it gives you a different revenue stream but it also gives you a different way to market yourself that really was never out there before
0: absolutely agree with that you know thinking of the the shop i'm in you know just some random road in Lillington, north carolina you know there's no way no um equal way to like get that exposure from here. That would have taken years to kind of build up, you know, from your shop and start selling local and then hope that takes off and then, you know, start expanding to some of the bigger cities, that type of thing. You know, whereas social media, you know, instantly, or, you know, it's not instantly, it does take time, but uh, you know, the breadth of that reach is much wider.
1: Let's go back to your actual furniture business and the way you structure your day. I know that there's a lot of people listening who are in the same exact situation as you. They want to go full-time, but they also have a full-time job. So they have two full-time jobs and they need to spend time on both of them. And that scheduling becomes hard. That becomes another full-time job in itself. Let's talk about How you figure out your scheduling between your full-time job, your full-time furniture company job, and also your family and your personal life.
0: You really have to be adaptive, I think, for me in in our family's kind of phase of life. We still have young kids, uh, and with that, their kind of schedules change from month to month on when they are waking up in the morning or when they go to bed. So, for me, I have to be adaptive to those opportunities. So, for a long time, the kids all slept till seven. So, I was up at five every morning and had two solid hours I could count on uh, to get woodworking done. And, you know, if you have a plan, you go into it each morning knowing exactly what your end state is, what your tasks are for that morning, you could be pretty efficient uh, with two hours in the morning. And then, generally, I can always count on some time in the evening, once the the kids are all to bed, you know, I can get an hour or so in the shop to kind of close things up for the day. But, you know, that, like I said, it, that changes. Um, We've gone through phases where the kids start waking up at five 30 in the morning. So that morning session is, is kind of out of the, out of the window. And I just got to push harder in the evening. I do generally try to protect the weekends as much as I can for family time. And, you know, unless it's late night again, once the kids have gone to bed, and then might take one long evening there to get a, a big chunk of work done. But it's really, from my experience, just being uh, adaptive to kind of the opportunities that you have during the day, and then having a plan. And the other piece is being willing to take small chunks of time. You know, I used to always think that if I didn't have two hours, it wasn't worth going down. But now I realize I can do a lot in in thirty minutes, even even if it's getting tools set up for the next session getting things in place so that when I go down you know the next time it's all ready to go for like CNC operations or something like that getting everything cut to size and clamped down getting in the right position so when I come down the next time it's just firing it up and letting it run so just always being kind of one step ahead which oftentimes I think is easy as a woodworker because it's hard for us to turn off our our brains anyway, in terms of woodworking, when I lay down, I'm already thinking of what I want to do the next day. And, you know, all day long, I've got ideas that kind of creep in about what I want to do when I get back to the shop. So it's really not too hard from the planning aspect, but uh, just being diligent and uh, attacking those when you have the opportunity. There's definitely the, the
1: physical side of building furniture, and there's no getting around that, that For the type of furniture you're building, you actually physically need to be in the shop to do a lot of the work. But there's also that side of the mental organization and the actual workflow organization that you don't need to be in the shop for. The client emails, the figuring out designs, the figuring out scheduling of picking up lumber, delivery of finished pieces... And things along those lines. So the physical side is one thing, but how do you structure your day on the mental side when you're not in the shop? So when you do go into the shop, you're ready.
0: Yeah, one great component of that really is uh is having my wife on board, and she's not only a, a huge supporter and uh carries a lot of the weight when I'm down there in the shop, you know. I, I recognize that that she often has to, to cover down for a little bit. And that alone is is huge, but also a lot of the communication aspect, she often handles, I would say 90% of the sales opportunities that come in are via her connections. And so she's able to do a lot of the, the back and forth communication in that aspect, which helps, um, you know, and if she has specific questions about finishes or dimensions or that type of thing, you know, I can assist there, but generally a lot of those mechanics can be handled by her, which kind of takes that off the plate. Some of the other aspects I actually really enjoy in terms of, and you might not hear many woodworkers say this, but like the accounting piece I enjoy. I, I like kind of tracking the the cost of materials and uh, sales and that type of thing. And um, long time Excel user, but recently kind of went to a open source online platform wave accounting, which makes it pretty easy um, so I can access it wherever I'm at, whether I'm on my computer at home or uh, on my phone when I'm out on the road, I can input those type of things to keep track more accurately. So it doesn't become too much of a burden. Having a
1: partner, having a partner to help run your business on the actual running of it and also the support, the outside support can be very, very helpful. And a partner, whether it is somebody who you're in a personal relationship with or in a business relationship with, having that support can be a real game changer for the way you run your business. Because even though you might love the accounting part of it, you can't spend all your time on that. And you need to spend time in Other parts of the business. So either having a partner that you're splitting what needs to be done in the business or sourcing parts of your business out. You can't forget that that is an option. You, if you find yourself overwhelmed and looking at your business from the bottom and saying, there's all this stuff weighing on me, take a look at what you're doing and see if there's other people out there. It helps the bottom line of your business to move to that next step.
0: Yeah. I, it's truly priceless, you know, coming back to my, my wife and another aspect that's really critical is quality control, you know, and she's, she does have an eye for that. She knows, you know, if you've missed a spot sanding or, you know, edges are sharp or that type of thing. And the other aspect is just having somebody to bounce ideas off and, for me specifically, that's kind of design and dimensions. Um, you know, I can think about sizes and that type of thing in my head and kind of go down rabbit holes or, you know, think I I got it all figured out, but having somebody to, to bounce that off of and realize, no, that that table is going to be way too big or, you know, that doesn't make sense, those dimensions. And my inclination is always to make things too big. So I, I like to have somebody to run that by and say, Oh no, like not everybody's giants. We're going to make things that Actually, fit people, so it's truly an asset. And like you said, and not only um, your spouse or, or partner, but other people in the business to be able to reach out as almost mentors. I've had uh, several friends via Instagram that you know I can reach out to and ask for techniques or their opinion on things, and just having some of that expert advice to sound off somebody else is is huge. You
1: mentioned that you like the accounting part you like understanding where all the money's fitting in your business and you laughed a little bit about that and i get it cuz furniture makers are not historically very into the numbers side they like to build they have that creative part of their brain going that doesn't always interact with the the money side with the accounting side of the business and i get that but You have to remember that if you're running a furniture business, that it's both furniture and business. So maybe you don't love that side of your business and maybe you send that out to somebody else, but you have to remember that it's not furniture making, it's a furniture business. So you need to have an idea of that part of the business. You need to know if you're making money. You need to know if you're losing money. These are very important things when you're running a business.
0: Yeah. And it it becomes, you know, for me, in some ways, a game of like optimization. You're trying to optimize in a sense to provide a a competitive price point to your your clients. Um, You know, I like that aspect of trying to um, decrease the price as much as possible, you know, with still uh, producing a quality product but you know getting more maybe reducing the the cost of goods going into it because you're more efficient with the way you've made um, your cuts on each board and you're not just wasting wood on the ends if that you know could have been used in a different different arrangement to get more pieces out of it that type of thing and i just enjoy that aspect and you know the other piece of it 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 really informs the kind of the market you go after as well if you're pretty confident in the numbers you need to make your business work, then you know also the the kind of clientele that you have to pursue and then some of the uh, the clients that just wouldn't be interested in in uh, or interested in your price point your two year plan your magical two year plan that you see on the horizon
1: that you are reaching for i I know that it it when you Get there, it's going to be because you feel good about where your business is. You feel like you have a solid business plan. You feel like you have enough clients. But bottom line, it's probably going to come down to money the amount of money that you've made and the amount of money that you can see yourself making going full time in this business, the amount of money that you think you can make sustainably to support your family. And and yes, furniture making is a creative endeavor, but a furniture business is again about business. It's about making money and staying in business. So the money aspect is a big part of the furniture industry. When you started your first major success your breakthrough success where you were getting hundreds of orders from was something that you were really underpricing you were you were just getting by on selling the pieces for your material costs and that's not a way to run a sustainable business obviously you learned from your mistakes and you've changed the way you're thinking and as somebody who studies this and who understands this with their own company and other companies, how have you changed your pricing from, from that way you were doing it in the beginning to the way you're doing it now on the road to a sustainable business?
0: Yeah. No, I'd say I was probably taking about $5 profit on each chair. So it wasn't zero, but, uh, <laughs> certainly not quite the point uh, to jump out on. Um, That is, you know, very similar to a lot of stories. I think I've I've heard it's that is a for me has been um, a journey of kind of steadily pushing out your comfort zone in terms of pricing. You know, you always want to make it affordable for the person and, you know, kind of not put them out. At least that's kind of what my thought in my head has always been. So it's it's led me to those jobs that, you know, I'm, I'm barely taking a profit. And really, if you factored in the labor then you're you're taking a loss however knowing the end state of building a business off of this I've deliberately begun to increase those prices to to account still I wouldn't say you know it doesn't account for hourly rate of labor I'm I'm putting in a, a ton of labor but also some of that is uh, you know it's not the most it's not as efficient as it would be if I was doing it eight hours a day. So I know that price would be a little different there as well. But uh, it's more of just a, a matter of continuously, deliberately accounting for the costs and trying to move prices toward an hourly rate that I would see sustainable in the long run and not doing it overnight. If I kept them at low prices and then two years from now, I make this, this huge jump in pricing, then you, you might cut off a lot of your... Word of mouth following you've had, so you got to build it over time and continue to get those prices to the to the right market price, a, a fair price, but one that would sustain the business. So it hasn't been easy, but again, my wife is also uh, a good uh, supporter there of running a price buyer and saying, oh, are you sure you really want to do it? You know, for that cheap because you're going to be putting in a lot of time." And I always oversimplify, you know, like oh, it's just going to be. 10 hours or something, it ends up being 20. So it's good to have that second opinion, have the end state in mind of adjusting those prices to to something that we could live off eventually.
1: I think the idea of over time, doing things over time, running your business over time, building your business over time is really the key for what you're doing. And you're deliberately doing it in that way so you can continue to test the market. If you were doing this full time, if you woke up tomorrow and this was your only source of income, then I'm sure the pricing structure and the way you're pricing projects with clients would not be a great business plan. Maybe you could get by, but you wouldn't really be pushing your company to where it needs to be. But because you're doing this over time, you're figuring it out as you go, you can take a little bit less than you would because you're building a portfolio, you're building a name for yourself, you're building a roster of clients. So when you do go full time, you have that all behind you. I really like the point that you made that even though you are doing this over time, you still have to keep stepping up your pricing as you go, because if you did stay at that, we'll just say at that break-even or $5 profit, I apologize, $5 profit share that you were doing, and you stayed there till you decided to go full-time, and then you jumped it up a tremendous percent, then all that work that you put in would have been for nothing, because all those clients would say, I don't understand why you're so much more expensive You are not the same company that I had trusted for all these years. So adding that little bit every single time and figuring out where the market is. So when you go full time, you've built in a client base that understands what your pricing is and then is okay with that is a great way to do it if that's how you're structuring your business like you are doing.
0: Yeah. And it also, the increase in price, you know, is important because at some point right now I have the luxury of reinvesting sales, you know, almost completely, you know, whatever I sell, I can reinvest into the business that covers growth in terms of tools and repair, that type of thing. But when you make that switch and all your sales, all that profit now has to, you know, pay for your house, for your food, as well as your tools, you that's a considerable change in the amount of what you're expecting your sales to cover so uh, it is absolutely a necessary move because right now that's extra money
1: and it's easy to think this is extra money I don't have to run it as a business as long as some money comes in I'm fine with that but you have to always remember if you do want to go full-time that it's not extra money that extra money becomes all your money yeah exactly This idea of making the jump from working for somebody else to working for yourself, having your own furniture company is a dream that a lot of people have. They're either in the process of thinking about it or actually moving in that direction. They're like you and they have a plan and it could look totally different, but it is a plan to go full-time. You're in this place. You are immersed in this path to building your own furniture company. And, And that place comes with a lot of uncertainty, but I can also imagine a lot of excitement on your end and a lot of introspectiveness thinking about how you're running the business and how you want to run the business. And then a lot of action by putting those ideas in place and making them happen for people who are in similar shoes to you where they're looking to start their own company or they're in the process of starting their company or they've actually started their company but they they don't feel like they're getting as much out of it as they should from your experience so far in the industry what's some advice that you could share with people listening that they could take to heart in their own business?
0: One is um, understanding time, um, knowing that it's okay to, to take some time to build it and that you're going to have the pull to jump. You know, like I feel like sometimes I'm going to kind of rein myself back. Like I'm, I'm so eager to start it. Uh, however, I know that, you know, there's no real loss in waiting a little bit longer to get things in place, right? So kind of don't be afraid to take time. Uh, don't take forever. If, if you really want to do it, you know, at some set a goal for what you want to, to be that point and then uh, build some tangible steps that's, that are gonna get you there. And then also kind of define that lifestyle that you want or expect to have when you go full-time and, and know some of the trade-offs that, gonna, that it's gonna take. And to be real, with those visions, because I know it would be probably faulty to think that every day is going to be, you know, this joyous day in the shop, you know, where you're just sipping coffee in the morning and then taking your time and, you know, enjoying every aspect of it. I know there's pressures with anything, uh, especially when that becomes your your sole source of income, but weigh those with the advantages of what you're seeking out of it. You know, I, I kind of crave that ability to really do something with my hands full time to be able to create and uh, to kind of go all in on something that you're so passionate about. But for me, it's also a piece of, it's not just the business, it's the lifestyle that I am seeking out of it, an opportunity to be around the family more of that usable portion of the day. You know, part of me is like, I always hates that thought of, you know, that eight hour, eight to 10 hour chunk a day that you're, away from the family, those closest to you. And, you know, part of my decision to pursue something that I could do here, you know, from home and in the shop and with, you know, the kids as they grow up and getting to to have them around you and get to learn from you to get to kind of instill your character traits and your values in them every day, you know, all day and not just at the beginning and end of the day. That's something I think is really, truly valuable. And I'm willing to to sacrifice a certain amount of financial stability for that and uh, kind of go out on that limb and know that the benefits outweigh the costs. You are working
1: towards something and, and working towards something like you're doing with all your heart. And I'm excited for you. And I, I wish you all the success that I know is coming your way as you continue to grow Your business. So, I want to thank you for sitting down and talking with me and sharing your story up to now with everybody listening, because where you are right now is where so many other people are. And hearing your story, I'm sure, is going to help a lot of people who are in a similar situation. So, thank you very much for your time, for sharing your knowledge, and keep doing what you're doing.
0: Well, thanks. And, you know, I want to say right back to you, I I greatly appreciate this opportunity. Um, You know, I was listening to your podcast on the way to work. So uh, I've been a fan of the project since the beginning, um, you know, and and really enjoy the, your focus, not only on the craft itself, but on, on the journey and on the, the building of a business, because that is the desire of so many of us that are, are doing this as a hobby So you kind of unveiling all these diverse stories, you know, people all along the journey in different ways really is a benefit. And it's a it's another aspect of that free education. So thank you uh, for the chance to be part of it. And uh, I appreciate it.
1: Thanks so much for listening to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you like to listen. To learn more about the show, you can visit buildingafurniturebrand.com and feel free to reach out anytime to say hey, ask a question, or suggest a guest for future episodes. Our email is hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. You can follow along with me on Instagram at TheBuildWithEthan, and I can't wait to bring you the next episode. This show is produced and edited by me, Ethan Abramson. Hope you enjoyed, and thanks so much for listening. The Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Amundsen Podcast is proudly part of the Woodpreneur Network, the media network and community for wood entrepreneurs. Check out woodpreneurlife.com for more information.